Father, it is about you. We confess that this morning. It doesn't always feel that way. But we gather to be reminded of truth and the rest into who you are. So we focus on you this morning because you are the ultimate reality, not our circumstances, not, not our emotions, not the things going on around us, not what people say or think about us, but it's just about who you are and that we are your child and that you are a good and loving father and you are faithful and you pronounce over us your yes and amen. And to that we say, amen. You may be seated. So we are um, continuing the series that we started last week, um, and as we as this launches into that, um, we it's on the rhythm that Jesus lived, and it's the disciples' rhythm. And last week was the overview, and the next three weeks we're going to look more in detail about that. If you were not here last week, or you were not able to get one of these cards, would you raise your hand? Because we we made plenty of these for everybody. Something you can keep in your Bible or something as a way to remind you of the rhythm, where to live. So if you didn't get one of these, raise your hand high, and our ushers are glad to, to pass those out. So put your hand up, keep it up. I see a few down in the front. Um, if you could, you know, again, stick that in your Bible. And while they're doing that, if you have not gotten one of the cards to be in prayer for the press room and the way that God, you know, for him to be interacting in that. I told second service, but not first. When, um, I think it was, was it Brian Regan, our mission speaker? Brian was his name, Brian Regan, I think. Huh? Hogan. Hogan, Brian Hogan. Not Brian Regan. He's a comedian. He's pretty funny, by the way. He's clean, and he's funny. I took my wife to one of those. That was, yeah. You know where my brain is. Um, He... That afternoon, we had that space open, and he went and saw it, and as a missionary, he was really excited with that, because as a missionary, he knows that we are called to go, to go to where people are to be present, and so we talked quite a lot that day. He had a lot of ideas, and then that evening, um, or the next Sunday evening after his last session, when he, he pulled me aside, and he said, you know, I've said, I think he had said twice that anytime you plan a church, it is a declaration of war on the enemy. And he said, I want you to know um, that thing is like a church plant. And he said, the enemy is going to want to attack the body and to prevent that kind of thing of happening. So we really long for your prayer. And that's the, the point of this is um, to, as a reminder of prayer. So, all right. So we want to jump into the disciples rhythm. I do have a, a quick question because today we're going to focus on this one. Um, when Lisa unleashed her pictures without words, there was some debate among the staff as to what that thing is, and I even had somebody today ask me. Um, I'm curious, anybody have an idea of what that thing is that's on there? Grapes, okay, any other ideas? What? Light. Light. That's a good one, like a lot of lights hanging. Pepperoni pizza. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Skyler, my, he has, his heart's after my heart. Uh, Jordan thought they were crop circles, and we were going to start doing crop circles out back and see if we could draw aliens um, to come visit here. But um, yeah, somebody t- today was guessing grapes, and that is, what, that is what it represents. Last week when 
So last week, I introduced the topic of the rhythm that Jesus lived. Um, and if we do have a notes page, if you're a notes page taker, a note taker, they're in the rows. If there's one not close by, you can grab one from in front of you if somebody's not taking it. I just have a summary of last week on the front. And we looked at Luke 6, 12 to 19, and we looked at um, this passage and the rhythm of his life that we saw. And what we learned from that is that Jesus lived his life from, from what? Solitude to community and then into, into ministry, that that was the rhythm of his life, that he lived the connected life. He was connected intimately to the Father. He was connected intimately to the 12, his close-knit community, and he was connected intimately in ministry to the world, loving um, the world. And that this, his rhythm is to be our rhythm, um, that we are to live, and again, the rhythm is really important, that we are to live from Christ to community and from community to cause, that is to be our rhythm, that we are also to have the with him life, quorum Deo, which means to live before the face of God continually, uh, the in-community life and the on-mission life, to be on mission with God. Um, and that's the cool things Lisa designed to fit this. If you remember, there's up, in, and out. We are to live up in communion with God. We are to live in community with each other authentically, and we are to live out on mission. And again, just the reminder that all are important and we need balance, but it is a rhythm starting up here. Um, and then, if you weren't here last week, I just had to throw these guys in because they make my heart sing anytime I can put them in my thing. So what Jesus had was passionate spirituality, he lived in authentic community, and he had missional zeal, and that we are to reflect that same um, rhythm in our, in our life, that we are to be connected to God, connected to other believers, and connected to the world in mission. Um, and I said last week, and I believe this, that this should be the DNA of a follower of Jesus as an individual. It should be the DNA of our church. It should be the DNA of everything we do, every ministry, every small group, that this ought to be um, what's happening in those environments. So today I want to focus on that top one, on Christ, on the up life, on the crop circles, if you may. That's like, did anybody think lollipop? Like lollipop? Does it look like, no, like a lollipop? No, okay. That was kind of my guess when I had seen this one. Um, so that's what we're going to focus. And we're going to talk about Jesus and solitude in his life. And we're going to talk about that walking with Christ. And I want to start with Jesus as our example, because we read in that text that the first thing Jesus did is he went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. In Luke 5.16, Luke says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often did that. That was his habit, his pattern. John 6.15, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. In Matthew 14.13, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. In Mark 6, 46 and 47, he went up on a mountainside to pray, and there he was alone. When I was looking at these texts, I couldn't help but to notice um, we can clearly see the environments that Jesus preferred. Um, of these two, which did he seem to be in the most? Not beaches, sorry for the beach people that are here, but he seemed to love the mountains. Um, that's where we find himself quite often. And some of the most significant events of his life actually happened in the context of solitude. 
His transfiguration began with him pulling a few away into solitude to be alone in prayer. Just before Peter's confession in Luke 9, 18, that he, Jesus asked, who do people say I am? He was with them alone in prayer. Um, in Luke 11, what initiates the followers asking him how to pray is it says they, he was there among them praying alone, and when he finished, they asked, could you teach us to pray? And then in Gethsemane, we find him drawing away alone the night before um, his crucifixion. So significant, adi- significant events happen in the context of solitude for him. And he taught them this lifestyle. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So he invited them into this rhythm. And this was just the rhythm that he lived continually. Um, Jesus spent time regularly communing with the Father. It was his first priority. It was his lifeblood. Mike Breen says he inhaled his Father's presence continually. In the midst of so much that he had to do, and he had a lot to do, he intentionally took daily time to pray and talk to his Father. His up relationship with his Father was the source of all the fruitfulness in his life, which we'll see in a minute. And Jesus not only showed them how to live this rhythm, but he told them, his disciples, a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So this was very much in the blood of him, in his lifestyle. And so we want it to be the same with us. We want God to be our first priority. Um, Christ has to be the center of everything for us. We need to connect up with him. We need to live that with him life. Reaching out to him in face-to-face relationship, that quorum deo, living continually before the face of God. Knowing him, loving him, worshiping him, following him. um, Living intimately with him. It's what David talks about in Psalm 46.10 when he, when God through David invites us, be still and know that I am God. Or Mark 12 where Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, not our heat, our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. I think our heat too, with our passion. That's my way of saying passion. And Micah 6, 8, where we're told to walk humbly with him. To me, the key passage that sums all of this up, this life of living with Christ at the center, is John 15, 4 to 5. And would you stand and read this with me? So John chapter 14 and 5. Let's read this together as a community. Jesus said... Abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. I mean, obvious, I mean, I've got them in bold. I missed one here, I see, but the word that's most used is abide. We see fruit um, quite a lot. We see vine and branch because he's comparing that relationship to a branch attached um, to a vine. I could say a whole lot about this whole text. It's actually in the text from John 15, 1 to 17, but I don't want to focus on that whole text. I mainly want to focus on this. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. 
But again, this to me is the key text for this rhythm and for this aspect of our life. And since this is the first part of the rhythm, it, to me it's the key for it all. Um, not that it's super important, but the Greek word that's used there is minnow. Um, can you guys say minnow? Minnow, not like the fish, but just minnow. It, it means to abide, to dwell, to stay in a place, to remain in a place, to continue in, to live in, to tarry are some of the meanings. Um, one Greek dictionary says it means to stay in a given place, state, or relation, or expectancy to stay, abide, continue, dwell, endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, and to tarry. So Jesus is calling us to remain, to stand, to abide, to tarry in Him. And you know, He's not calling us to something that He Himself has not experienced. Because in John 15, 10, a little later in this text, Jesus said, just as I abide in his love, that he had this abiding relationship with the Father. He was the model of it. In fact, in John 14, 10, Jesus earlier told them, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who, minnow, who lives or who abides in me does his work through me. So he lived in this abiding relationship with the Father. He's only calling us to experience something he himself has experienced. I think this command to abide and this metaphor of a vine and a branch to me, as I was reading and thinking about it, implies two things. Um, it implies first, life-giving dependence, and secondly, intimate relationship. It implies life-giving dependence and intimate relationship. Several years ago, we were going through Jesus' I am statements, and this is one of them, I am the vine, and with the international students. And Brandy taught that week to the students about that. And the day before, she cut a branch off of a shrub or something, a bush in her yard. And she had it with her that next day, and it was only a day disconnected from the shrub, that branch was. And what do you imagine it was already beginning to look like just a day out? Starting to what? Yeah, starting to die. It was already shriveling up. It had lost the green. Um, because the branch is utterly dependent upon the vine for life and for fruitfulness. For life and for fruitfulness, it's utterly dependent. And it is with us. Um, so rather than willing, living self-willed and self-reliant, how many self-reliant people here? I'm, I'm the first to say that. How many self-reliant? Rather than living in a self-reliant lifestyle, um, we daily, we hourly, we yield and submit ourselves to him, realizing that he is the vine. We seek his leading, his will, his pleasure in all we do as we work, as we drive, as we eat, as we live, as we play, as we gather. We're seeking to yield to him in utter dependence. But it also means intimacy of relationship. Um, I find it interesting that John or G John uses predominantly in this text the present tense in Greek, which to you is not very meaningful, but a lot of commentators talk about how what he's emphasizing is an ongoing action, an ongoing behavior, and that's why that same Greek dictionary says here it means to continue to be present, to maintain unbroken fellowship with Jesus, to allow him to continually exert his influence on your life. 
It's daily walking with him in every part of our life, in every part of our life, every day, in every activity, inviting him into it, inviting him to be a part of it, seeking to experience in all of our components of our life experiencing him. Um, a few years ago, I talked a little bit about, I don't remember the topic, but I was really working hard at that time where I was doing an experiment where every event of my life, of my day, that before I entered into anything, to start a project, to meet with a person, to do a task, that I, the first thing that I would do is I would say, Lord Jesus, I want, I'm dependent on you. I want you in this. I want to please you in it. I want to do your will. Speak to me if there's anything you want me to do. It's just that kind of continual offering of your life to him. Don't always do it perfectly, but that was my attempt to live an abiding life. Um, I want to say more about the intimacy and the relationship. Because twice, it's interesting, he talks about abide in me, abide in me, five times. He says abide in me. Later in the text, in John 15, 9, and in John 15, 10, he changes the words, and he says, abide in my, what? Abide in my love. This is all about intimacy. It's all about relationship. This whole thing is about relationship and not religion, and we've talked about that before. Jesus is not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about love. And that's why in John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you my, I call you friends because that's what it is. It's about relationship. It's about even friendship. So in this text, when he talks about abiding, he's calling us, I believe, into ongoing, intimate, personal, experiential relationship with him. Um, it's all about having a heart fully devoted to him. Loving him with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. I used to tell international students all the time, because they would ask many times, well, what does that look like? And I would just tell them, it's, it isn't rocket science. So if, if we just remove ourselves from, from God for a minute, because I think when you attach God to something, suddenly we think it becomes more complex, but... Think about any relationship that you have. It's similar to any relationship. Um, like any relationship, a relationship's like a garden. It has to be tended. It has to be cultivated with intentionality. And then here in a second, I'm going to tell you how I think that happens. But it's just like any relationship. You have to tend to it if you want it to grow, if you want there to be intimacy. And here are those two words. I think to abide in Jesus really means two things. It means attentiveness, and it means responsiveness. Attentiveness and responsiveness. I need, if I want to abide in him, I need to live the attentive life. It means I give him my attention regularly. It means I pay attention to him in my life. And I think, again, like in any relationship, attentiveness requires time. T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love, by the way. Rick Warren is famous for saying that. You spell love by T-I-M-E. And that's what attentiveness is. I give time. It also means, and I would say not just time, regular time and daily time, and not just time, but I think attentiveness also means I give focus. Not just time, but you give focus to him. And we do this attentiveness through... Um, exercises and environments, and I've talked about this before, and we're not going to spend a lot of time, but if I want to be attentive to anybody in my life, I've got to do things to engage them, to meet them. I met Gary yesterday, 
and gave him my attention, and we met at a coffee shop. That was like a, an exercise, and it was an environment, right? And that was the place that we could engage and encounter each other. So you guys tell me, what are some spiritual exercises? What are just some things that I can do that help me to be attentive to him? Throw out some stuff. Do what? Pray. Talking to him in prayer. What else? Say that again. Stillness. Yeah, being still before him. Like he went to a quiet place. I heard something else. Being in God's word. Praise. Giving him my praise and worship. What else? Say that again. Yeah, memorizing his word. Putting his word into my heart that I might not sin against him. So very connected to this one, a really important discipline. Journaling. What else? Listening. Sabbath. How about environments? There are exercises that I do that are the ways I pay attention to him, those practices and patterns, but that give me, help me to be focused, but I also need to put myself in environments. Give me some environments that would help cultivate my relationship, help me to abide, help me to focus on him. What would some environments be? Life group. Great place, great environment to learn to give him more attention. What else? Someplace uncomfortable. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. That's good. I don't like that one, but it's good. You may be uncomfortable with that. What else? Other believers. Life group, it could be anything. It could be, you'll hear in a minute, I'm in a quad with Gary. It's just meeting with other believers. Doesn't matter how big. We're two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I with them. What other environments? Nature, that's a great one. God is the creator. What else? School. School. We should get to where we can meet him in any environment, right? Would you say Sunday morning, this chance to get together to worship God as we just did to help center on him, is that not an environment that helps us to cultivate our walk with him? Good job, guys. Um, it's all about just giving him my attention, beginning my morning in prayer, in the word, listening to him. Um, it's just things like talking to him in the shower, talking to him throughout the day, it's seeking his wisdom, his strength, um, turning our attention to him before every activity, three times a day before a meal, not just doing something because you just say a prayer, but it's actually turning my attention to him, giving him my attentiveness. Um, the environment thing is really important. Just tell you a quick story. Um, we planted asparagus a few years ago because we love asparagus. And the place where I planted it, the bed, it never really took and grew. We tested the, the soil, the alkaline of the soil and all of that, did some other things, but it wouldn't grow. And I asked an asparagus expert and they told me it wasn't in a place with enough sun. And so that thing kind of died. And last spring, uh, my son-in-law helped me plant a new bed, and even in its first year, I could tell it was doing a lot better simply because of the environment. So it's not just the exercises, but we need to put ourselves in environments 
that help us to grow. But the point of all of this, um, the point of all of this is abiding in him. And then he even says later, for my words to abide in you, to abide in you. It's just a loving relationship. It's me regularly entering into environments and engaging in exercises so I can encounter him and experience him more closely. That's all it's about. Um, And then the responsiveness. Um, Yeah, the point. It's loving encounter. Not just conversation, but ongoing communion. That's another sermon in the future. And then responsiveness. And again, when Jesus says, my word should abide in you, to me what responsiveness is, is his word is in me so richly that I actually live in obedience to him. That I don't just, I'm not just attentive to him, but I respond to him. That's why in John 15, 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. He ties responsiveness to abiding in him. And just like John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And again, as always, Jesus is our example here because he says, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. So he had that responsive relationship to the Father. Responsiveness is like this. Pat asked me to keep the lid down on the toilet, right? And responsiveness is, you do it, right? And it's the same with Jesus. He asked me to do things in his word, and my, I'm not only attentive to him, but I'm responsive, and I do the things that he does. Uh, I'm not sure if Jesus says to put the toilet lid on the toilet down, but, but if your wife does, that, that's, a, that's, that's important. So, um, just two quick temptations with this abiding in Jesus' life, I have found. The first one is, is to be a libertine. That's just a big fancy word that means basically I am inattentive to him and I really don't think it matters. This could be because of apathy. It could be laziness. Um, it just could be busyness. Business is usually my reason that I become this, but it's just to be inattentive to him. The other extreme is the legalist. The legalist. And I think this is the one, I don't know which one we struggle with the most. I'm not sure. You, probably you go between the two. Um, but the legalist is when the spiritual, these exercises we just talked about in environments quit being about love and they start being about law. They become about proving ourselves to be spiritual, that my time in the word or my time in prayer is I'm performing for his approval or his, I'm trying to earn his love or I'm showing how righteous I am. I'm validating myself or measuring myself against others, flaunting my goodness or feeling good about myself because I'm checking boxes or getting notches on my belt. And I think all of us have been there to a degree. Um, but that's the furthest thing from what an abiding relationship is. When we start taking those things like reading the word and all of that and it becomes a legalism to us in a way that we feel spiritual, then we've totally missed the point. Imagine if I took Pat away in a weekend to Wichita and upon returning home, Skylar would ask me, hey, how'd it, how'd it go? And I was like, Skylar, get this. I planned that whole weekend on Google Calendar on my phone. And not only that, I used Priceline on my phone, and I got an express deal on a three-star hotel. And I took Highway 254 from El Dorado to save $1.25 on the toll. And not only that, I used a card, and not just any card, I used an Applebee's card that I got at Dillon's, and not just any Dillon's Applebee's card, but the red one, and I used that to pay for the meal. You know, (laughs) I used the red card. I mean, would you not say, like, that's missing the point? Because what's the point of the trip to Wichita? Is it the things that I did to get there? That's not the point. The point was what? 
The point was encountering Pat. It was the relationship. And so anytime we take the spiritual exercises and what we focus on is those things and not the relationship, we've, we've missed the point. So they're really all about love. They're simply the way that I make myself fully present to the God who's already fully present with me. They're just the entry point into that abiding life. That's all, that's all those things are. And last week we talked about two errors. Um, a lot of people this week told me they are like me in this and that it's so easy to live from ministry to community to solitude. But just to remember that his, his, the pattern of his life is the central thing of his relationship of all of those was the one with God. And again, the, the error of the unbalanced life. I can live one dimensionally in which if all God is, if it's just about God, and I can do church online because I don't need community and I don't need to serve people to live in God's mission, then essentially what I am is a hermit. If I'm living the two-dimensional life, if I'm living in community and cause, but I'm not walking with Him, I mean, essentially, we just become a service club. And we don't, we don't want to get there. So, a couple of questions. Am I growing upward? Am I growing upward? Is there space in my life God? Am I living connected to God, regularly spending intentional quality time with Him? Um, I, we figured out the whole poll thing, and I was thinking about trying it again this week. What I think I'm going to do instead is I'm going to show you next week, I did get the results from first service on this, and it was really interesting to see where people are, where our body is in relation to this one, this walking with God. Um, and I'll show you next week that. But I think that then the question is, is, what steps can I take to be more intentional about incorporating this dimension into my life? What steps can I take? Because remember, life begins with Christ. Life begins with Christ. So, Gary, I want you to come up here for a minute. I've invited Gary to come join me for a minute. Gary and I met... We actually met on a Sunday morning in the book club like three summers ago, but we didn't really meet deeply because I think I was only there once. And then the next fall, we got in life group together with the awesome UC life group. There's Don and Lucy's in here. Uh, yeah, go. Do I hear anything for the any life group? UC people want to? No? Okay. It was a really good group. You can tell. Uh, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And I need to get you a mic, sir. Um, By the way, guys, I'm doing an interview this morning. <laughs> um, so, Gary, I want to ask you, because um, you're, I've told people before, you're one of my pastors. Well, I thank you for that. <laughs> I almost brought you like a, uh, I don't know, some kind of black thing and a white little thing here, but part of the reason is, is because you challenge me here because of your intimate walk with him. And I just want you to share, what, what, what is to you, what is it that feeds your soul, that makes you abide in him, that helps you to walk with him intimately? Well, I think the most important part for me is make it the very first thing I do in the morning is I pray, pray to God and then I get in his word and study his word and uh, you know, pray for other brothers and sisters of Christ here at the church and my family, Lord, and, and I, it's, just, uh, it's just a blessing to me to be able to 
start my day that way because I'm seeking him first and foremost and asking him to come into my day and, and lead my, my day. And, and to me, that's really important and that's really, really blessing me. Yeah, I think you just started having a quiet time right here, Gary, there for a minute in your prayer. Um, what, how's that impacted you since you've begun making that your habit? How's that impacted your life? Well, to me, my, my faith is becoming much stronger and I, I'm more at peace. And it used to be, you know, when I prayed, I really didn't know if I was really seeking God in the right way. But now I have, I know of a, a time when we, we've got a men's group that meets on Tuesday and, and one of the guys uh, had an athlete that was, was uneligible. And so we all prayed for that gentleman. And then when he got to work, he had an email that said that that gentleman was eligible now. So that just goes to show you, you know, that if you really seek God in prayer and believe that he will do that, he will, he will take care of you. Yeah. How else has it impacted your life? Your faith's grown. You were telling me yesterday how it's even helped you understanding the word better. Yeah, it, it's, it's really helped me a lot with studying God's word more and being in prayer more because things that used to speak didn't used to speak to me. They've, they've really become more real to me, and it helps me to fully understand God's, God's place in my heart. And if we truly stop and just be quiet and still and listen to God's whispers, you know, he will just really bless us in so many ways. Yeah. You, you don't do this for a law. You don't do it to earn brownie points. And I'm not, I don't want to miss people to misunderstand. But you told me last year you missed... How many of your days in the Word? And I missed time? two days last year, and uh, I've made my point this year that I will miss none because God's the most important thing to me, and uh, I want Him to continue to bless me, and I want to be able to be a blessing to others. I want other people to see a difference in me. Yeah, we do. Journal, why is that significant to you? Well, I've just started doing that I finished one journal in the last year and I started a new one and it's just really important because if you write stuff down then you can go back through and when you reread that you know something that you might have missed the first time will become more real to you and and really shine a different light on how you can apply that to your life yeah and that group you mentioned Tuesday that's a group you and I are in together and we're going through this new testament I have it on here. I'll show you in a minute. But it's taking us through the New Testament in a year. And it's been pretty powerful, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been real powerful because, you know, we can, we can share how uh, the Scripture uh, talks to each one of us differently. And, and it's just everybody seems to always pull out something that, that we might have missed on our own. And it's just really been powerful to be able to do that. Yeah, yesterday morning's reading, there's a little insight that always comes with it. And the insight, they said... They said, allow the presence of God to permeate the various parts of my life, which I thought that's exactly what the abide and this at our thing this weekend, the abiding came up quite a lot, didn't it? And the thing that we did out at Clover Cliff, and it just, it was like God was really communicating that to me. So what's been most helpful for you getting in the word? What's helped you to get in it and make it a regular part of your life? Well, just to be intentional and, and, and do it uh... Sometimes it's, it's really easy if, if you don't start off your day that way. You know, you get busy and then it doesn't get done. So I've found that for me, the, to be in God's Word, the very first thing 
of the morning when I roll out of bed to go down and pray and be in God's word. That's just been such a blessing to me because then my day started right. Yeah, and you also found this helpful, right? Yes, there's one thing that, that's really blessed me most, and that's the, the Uversion app. That, that has just been so powerful because there's so many blessings in, in the different apps that, that's allowed there. And it's that I just, uh, that's been my strongest thing was getting involved in doing that Uversion app every morning. Your space, what's your space look like? So you get up in the morning? Well, know. I usually get up in the morning and uh, go down and, and sit at the kitchen table and, and uh, just pray to God. And and, uh, and while Sandy's up taking her shower and, and uh, you know, I try and get my Bible study done where it's quiet and, you know, I can just uh, focus on God because uh, that's what we need to do. If we totally focus on Him and just allow Him to... Uh, to touch our lives. He will bless us more than we could ever imagine. And that's something that I've really, really learned over the, the last couple of years. And it's just, uh, like I said, having a community of, and being involved in life groups and Bible studies. And then one thing that's really blessed me is Garen introduced me to an international student from uh, Korea. And I'm able to meet with him once a week, you know, and share with him, you know, at first it was it was a little uncomfortable for him, I think, because his English wasn't that well. But, you know, I just kept reassuring him, you know, that things will get better. You know, and to be able to pray with him when he's got a big exam coming on, you know, I think it really blesses him, too, as well as me. Yeah. And you mentioned yesterday the focus was a really big deal, and you're feeling a lot more sold out since you've been in the Word. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's been abiding the whole time he's been up here. Do you guys sense that? I, I, I really sense that. Gary, thanks for your time. Appreciate your friendship. Appreciate you helping keep me consistent in the word and challenging me all the time, brother. Thank you, brother. I love you. Love you too, man. Can we give him... So if you're not on version, I really challenge you. It's a good way... To, there's a lot of plans, and you can get on with a friend for accountability. I, I've done f a few with my son where there's um, space where you every day have to type in a response, and that's a good way to see what God's speaking to somebody, and it's a good sense of accountability. So, But again, life begins with Christ. Life is better together. Life is better on mission, but it begins with Christ, and that's, that's the beginning of the rhythm, and so that's the thing. We really want to emphasize, again, Henry Nowen, I've got the article back there if you're interested that he wrote from solitude to community to ministry that profoundly influenced me in this way back in the early 90s. Um, it's a great read and, you know, keep, hang on to those cards and let's start making it that this is the pattern that we live our life. So, um, my time with God, if you're interested, that's the name of this New Testament that will take you through the New Testament in a year. It's a great way to meet with some people and to be centered on His Word. It's not published, currently published, but you can buy it used. So, here's what I want to end with. Um, yeah, and there is a prayer that on the bulletin that I put on there that is a prayer of longing to abide in God and to be intimately connected. And so I, I encourage you to, to use that. Um, we want to finish with a worship song. Because again, as Mike Breen said, Jesus inhaled His Father's presence. Um, 
the father. He was the heir that Jesus breathed. And he was his daily bread. He was the one that he abided in and was continually connected with. And he's to be the air we breathe. And he's to be our daily bread. And so can you join us and would you, can we end just by singing that to him and our desire to have an abiding relationship with him?
Can we pray? So, Father, we, we don't always live there, but we long to live in an abiding relationship with you. We long that you are the air that we breathe, that you are our daily bread, that your presence is continually living with us and we're attentive to it and we're responsive to it. So help us to be that kind of people because we really truly won't be fruitful. We won't live well in community if we don't walk daily with you. So we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the vine, and we are the branches. And Lord Jesus, without you, we can do nothing. And we pray in your name. Amen.